get it there if you need it. But make sure it's your Bible you're looking at, not something else. Amen. <laughs> you might have saw a slide go up about uh, retire the mortgage. We're getting ready to launch into our uh, campaign to let's just get rid of it. And uh, we've made giving opportunities available at our app and uh, making it available on our envelopes for giving and things like that. Uh, we want to retire the mortgage without taking away from our general budget to do it. Uh, it's not healthy to do that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's not fair to not pay somebody we would normally have to pay because we're trying to get rid of a mortgage. So if you wish to give to help us retire that mortgage, make sure you designate above your tithe uh, what you're giving to the mortgage. Don't take it out of your tithe. Don't do the thinking for us. You'll put us in a lurch uh, financially with people that we have to monthly uh, make sure that they get what they're supposed to get. So I speak, uh, you know, conscientious in our giving. And just however the Holy Spirit would lead you, if He wants you to get involved in that, get involved. If He's not telling you you have to, you don't have to. Right? Everything that we do is according to the leading of the Spirit. So we don't twist arms here. We don't do that kind of thing. Uh, we just leave it up to God to put willingness in the heart of His people. And so, but we do feel like the Holy Spirit told us it's time that this is the year to see the mortgage go away completely. And we are looking forward to seeing that happen. And I think it will happen quicker than we think. So I want to share with you uh, more of a teaching this morning. Uh, a little less preachy. We'll see if I can pull that off. <laughs> if I do, there is a God, right? Yeah. But <laughs> uh, a little less preachy, a little more uh, teaching. But before we get into what I brought to, to give you, since five is the number of grace, I want to give you five quick bits of wisdom uh, before we get into the message. First, uh, never laugh at your significant other's choices because you're one of them. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Two, what should you do if you're attacked by a gang of clowns? Go straight for the jugular. <laughs> it's your best defense. Go for the juggling. Three, common sense is like deodorant. Those who need it most never use it. This was kind of personal because I once was told I was such a procrastinator that I'd never amount to anything. To which I said, oh yeah, just you wait. A man's wife once asked him, now that we've been married for 20 years, how old do you think I look, honestly? I mean, really honestly. He responded, based on your skin, I'd say 22. Your hair, 20. And your figure, 25. His wife replied, oh, what a sweet thing to say. He quickly replied, hang on, I haven't quit. I haven't finished adding it up yet. See, that's wisdom in what not to do. <laughs> Laughter's a medicine, isn't it? Too bad I don't have a heavy-duty dose of it. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's always funny. My wife says, that wasn't funny, honey, while everybody's laughing. <laughs> but that's okay. Now that we've had some fun with our practical wisdom, I want to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Can you stand that? Now, when I spoke to you last week, I addressed that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and demonstrated how that places a tremendous value on your body. If you remember that, if you were here for that message, you should recall that. Your body is a dwelling place of God here on this earth. And that's why it's essential to care about what you do with your body and how you treat it. So, obviously, I would never encourage body worship. I am not talking about what the world engages in, you know. So that's not what we're talking about when we talk about taking care of your body. I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to be an Atlas or a, a Venus, you know. That's ridiculous. That's not the kind of thinking that we need to embrace. Body worship is an overfixation on one's own physical appearance or condition. Years ago, we had a friend, and uh, he was always fixated on his hair. And uh, just vain about it, really, really vain about it. And uh, so we just couldn't help ourselves but to go up and touch it. <laughs> and not just touch it, but move it around just a little bit. It was a little difficult to do because it was held in, it, it was like it was cemented or something. And all you had back then was the hairsprays. You didn't have all these gels and stuff. So he must have really been choking to get that stuff fixed the way it was. But we still found a way to get it to mess up just ever so slightly. And then when he get aggravated about it, we just say, see, you need to lose your vanity, man. Then we had another friend that we'd say, you know, we're convinced you've never met a mirror you didn't like. You can't pass a mirror without looking into it. We'd tease him. Because he would just check himself out up and down. He would fix his head. He'd stand for long periods of time in front of a mirror. Didn't matter where it was. We could be going into some place and there'd be one of those stand up and he would stop and check himself in the mirror. I was like, dude, you're not all that. It's all right. Somebody out there will love you one day. And if the, the one that loves you comes along, she's not going to want you standing in front of the mirror like this. So... We don't want overfixation with our physical appearance or condition. It's not healthy, an overfixation on that. But we do want to use some common sense, right? Yeah. Now, by no means should anyone ever become too caught up in their body, and that's why the Scripture teaches us the following. If you'll open your Bibles to Colossians 3, I want to read uh, verses 1 through 4. I'll read it from the New King James Version. You can read it from whatever version you like, and we'll see if the two meet in the middle. It says in verse 1, If you were raised with Christ, seek those things above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. So this natural life is not meant to be our fixation. Now, I love how Paul makes it so clear 
that those who have been raised with Christ should be about seeking something different now in their life. One of the hallmarks of coming to know Jesus Christ intimately is He shifts your desires. In other words, our desires should experience a shift, and if that shift ever seems to diminish it, guess what? We can recapture it. It's never out of reach. It's never forever gone. You might feel like, well, that thing has disappeared in my life. All I can think about is what I want to do in the natural. The things I want here and that, that's all I'm consumed with. Um, so so I, I think I lost it. Well, you, you may think you lost it, but you haven't. It's still there. It just needs to be given a little CPR. That's all. So no one has to lose the drive to seek those things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. No one, no one, without exception, no one has to lose that. Okay? Now, I know this to be true because of what Paul says next. He says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. See, not only are we to seek the things above, we are to set our mind on the things above. In both instances, the focal point for both is above. So above is the issue here. What is above? What's going on in heaven? What are the values of heaven? What are the things precious in heaven? What things are going on there? Who is the object of all affection and worship and adoration in heaven? These are the things that we want to seek after and we want to set our minds on. Amen? So, it's telling us, set our mind on things above. And this word set... It is important. Now, it's not here on earth or the things of earth that we're to be captivated by. It's not that. Here we're being told we are to be very purposeful and intentional in seeking and setting. And in doing that, this word set is important. The actual word means to fix or to harden. It's kind of like what we experience when we think of concrete. Right? When you think of concrete... It's akin to speaking about that and the fact that it's not going anywhere once it's set in concrete. If I take a post and I dig a hole and I put that post in the ground and I pour concrete, that post is going to stand where I put it. And it's going to do the purpose for which it was put there. It's been set in concrete. It's not going anywhere. It's there. That's the idea here. The Lord wants us to set our minds on things above. In other words, concrete your thought life. Concrete it on all that is above. Not on what is here on this earth. I hope that's registering with you. Now this encouragement to seek and to set is for our benefit. You've got to understand it. This is for our benefit. It does not imply that this is a means of meriting anything from God. It's not that. The reason for this instruction is all about the impact it has on our lives here and now. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in a moment. See, the quality of our spiritual life directly affects the quality of our physical and our mental life. 
See, some people are in a tough place both physically and mentally because they're in a contradiction. They're out of sync with who they are in the Spirit because they've not fixed their mind. They've not set their mind. They're not seeking the things which are above. And if you're not doing that, you're trying to live contrary to who you've been made to be in Christ Jesus. That's a contradiction. It creates an inner conflict. Inner conflict. Because your mind is constantly trying to rationalize to you why you don't need to give any consideration to. Are you following me? Why this thing doesn't really matter. Oh no, if you're constantly trying to convince yourself why what you want to pursue in the natural is okay, then you're living in contradiction. Because something in your spirit is telling you, this is not for you. This is not good for you. But you're trying, your mind is trying to say, oh, this will be okay, this will be okay. And you're, you're, you're fighting a battle constantly. You're always fighting. You're never resting. You're always fighting. You're never resting. And that's not good on you physically. You know what? One of the, one of the biggest issues with cancer is anxiety, worry, stress. Because it, it takes all the horrible toxins in your body and it magnifies their effectiveness to disrupt your cellular level of existence. They affect you deeply. This is stuff that benefits you. This encouragement from the Word of God is for your sake. It's not for what it does for God. It's for what it will do for you. Now, if, if we do not earnestly desire to develop our spiritual life, we do ourselves no good. See, if you think about it, think of all the people that you've met over the years who thought you could just kind of put it on cruise control, you know, let go of the wheel and trust it'll go where it needs to go at the rate of speed it needs to get there. And think of where they're at and how they're doing. I have a saying to people when they're trying to convince me that they come to me because they got issues, and then they seek after they come to me to convince me as to why they're okay. They started out, they came to me because they had issues. But then in the course of talking and listening, I'm hearing the course of their conversation move to why they're okay. And so I'll just remind them of what they told me the issues were, and I'll say, how's what you've been applying to your issues working for you? How's that working for you? I mean, after all, we are here. Right? How's it working for you? How's what you're applying right now as your means of growth spiritually? By the way, if you're not growing spiritually, you're hurting yourself mentally and inevitably physically. You'll try to eat your way to peace. You'll try to entertain your way to peace. You'll try to distract yourself with, with purchasing things you don't even have the finances to really purchase to try to get your peace. You will do so many alternative things in the natural trying to calm yourself down 
And only to find later down the road, oh my God, I'm responsible for that. There's a consequence. And the number of people that are in this kind of position, even right now, throughout the church, is a staggering number of people. And it is in large part due to this very simple thing that we're being taught here from the Scripture. Seek that which is above. Set your mind on things above. There is a freedom in this that is very powerful, saints. And a benefit for your life that is not, it can't be paralleled with anything else. You get your eyes on Jesus. You get your, your, your heart, your mind set on things above. Get your mind fixed, seeking what it should be seeking. I'm telling you, it changes things in your life profoundly. It definitely affects your choices. It most assuredly will impact your choices. Now look, life's going to throw consequences at us. There's two things that are, that are not necessarily in your favor. The devil and your flesh. <laughs> They're not your friends. They're not. They, they want to mislead you. They want to they take you down paths and lead you into decisions that you shouldn't go. You shouldn't go down that path. You shouldn't make that decision. And if you're not seeking that which is above and setting your mind on the things above, you're not equipping yourself in both your heart and your mind to know how to silence that argument that's trying to convince you this is what you ought to do. This is what you really need. Some of us have a bunch of garbage. It's not gar garbage is not the right. A bunch of needless things in our houses because at the moment we thought we needed it, but we never did really use it. But in the moment, we were feeling a little discontent maybe, I don't know, out of restless, out of sorts. And this seemed like it could be a, a good solution to the moment. I'll buy that. Besides, they were offering another one for free. Just pay the shipping. And then you start clearing all your stuff out. And you're like, what did I ever buy this for? I never even used this. This is useless. Trash. That means you spent money. You'll never get back. Right? For something you never did use. To try to satisfy a moment in your life where you were so subject to your feelings, so in touch with the natural side of who you are, that you thought you could satisfy it by throwing a few dollars at it. Only to find later, it, not only did it not fix your problem, you never really used it, and now you feel like as you're throwing it away, man, boy, did I ever waste my money. And so now you've got to wrestle in your conscience with feeling stupid. Feeling like you're wasteful. Hey, am I the only one who's ever gone through this? Come on! If you stay that quiet, I might get tempted to do something bad to myself. Come on! Don't make me the only one who does this. Okay. 
This is setting things, uh, setting our mind on things above is for us. It's a safe place. If we don't develop our spiritual life, we're, don't, we're not helping ourselves. We, we're doing ourselves harm. The harm is not because God is out to get us and make us pay. See, God is not actively trying to give us a lesson. I need to say that again. God is not actively, the, listen to the word, God is not actively trying to give us a lesson. You, the consequences of our own stupidity or sin or whatever we're engaging with, they're set in motion. All that was already set in motion. And it will punish us. Now God is very willing to have the Holy Spirit show up in the midst of our dealing with our stuff and give us wisdom. Give us encouragement and hope for our situation. But he, He's not going to be heard by us if we're not seeking things above and setting our mind on things above because the last thing we're looking for is for Him to graciously invade our situation because we're thinking that He might have caused it. To teach us a lesson. Are you hearing me? The harm is a result of not taking advantage of what we have received. Remember it said you were raised with Christ. This is speaking of the new life you received in Christ. You are a new creation. And as that new creation, you were designed to seek those things above. That's how you were created. You were created for things above. It's in your DNA. It's your spiritual reality. Now, if you're to succeed, your mind is another important part of your process. Your spirit man doesn't have to be convinced. The DNA of your spirit man longs for what's above. Yearns for it. Is eager for all that there is about it. The spirit man wants everything that God wills. It is there. It is, it is already ready. But guess what isn't? Your mind. Your mind isn't. Because your mind's had some faulty programming put in it. From your past, from your influences of this world and other, other sources. Your mind is where the battle is always fought. It's in the mind. So if you're to succeed, your mind is an important part of your process. The way you think needs to be established on the things above. You literally have to go into intensive training to get yourself out of a more, more natural flow of thinking in the natural, which is, you're so accustomed to, to actually thinking about above. In other words, I'm about to make a decision. I feel something in my body. I'm about to make a decision. Well, the natural thing says, well, just take the pill. The above thought might be, wait a minute. I have a healer. I need to talk to him about this. I need to go to him on this. 
I wonder how empty some of our medicine cabinets would be. Let me ask you this question. Would you be embarrassed if we were to come and look in your medicine cabinet? Because I can tell you now, especially those that are older, there's nothing doctors love more than prescribing another thing. In geriatrics, they seem to think that if they give you enough of them, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes they ain't checking on what somebody else told you you ought to take and how they overlap. No, no beating up on doctors here, Doug. It's, uh, <laughs> you're not in geriatrics anyway, so... Kind of, kind of not, but anyway. You're in everything, really, I guess, aren't you? I appreciate Dr. Douglas. He doesn't like prescribing a bunch of stuff all the time. It's not his motif. But the thing is, is that you can, the natural way of thinking will take you there all the time. Now, some of you, you're already thinking, well, you can come look at my medicine cabinet. What if we look in your other cabinets for all the organic things that you rely on? So before you, before you look down your brothers and sisters who have all the bottles with the labels, let's, let's go to the teas and the oils and... Uh, come on. Where is your hope? Where is your confidence? What source are you running to? Oh, I'm in financial trouble. I need to go online and look up a YouTube uh, uh, instructional on how to do better with my money. Everybody on YouTube's not honest, folks. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll trust somebody in my family who used to be a thief. They're pretty smart, though, when it comes to money. You know, if some people worked as hard on setting their mind on things above as they do on trying to get around all of the other things, that go, you know what I'm saying? I, I used to tell one of my sons, I said, if you put as much effort into disciplining your life as you do into ruining it, you'd be a super person, man. Oh my gosh. Let me give you a practical example of what I'm talking about. This, this idea of setting. I have played the drums since I was 12 years of age. 12. That's a long time. I'm about to be 60. If that tells you anything. So I know what a paradiddle is. Drum talk. I know what a paradiddle is. I can explain it. I can demonstrate it at a super slow pace. I mean so slow that I have time to think about it. You know what I'm saying? But I cannot control it like a professional drummer could. Because although I know what it is, I've never taken the time to practice it as I should. I never set my mind to it to discipline myself to master it. 
Never did. Now, I'm good at the paradiddle right hand because I'm dominant right-handed. It's the left one that gets me. And it's the patience to let a stick bounce and the way you grip it and hold it that eludes me because you have to practice these things if you're ever going to master them. In other words, little energy, little effort, little investment of time, a little setting it aside and making it important is involved if I'm going to master paradiddles. See, there's a technique to paradiddles that requires much practice. And since I haven't invested the time to practice, I'm short on a beneficial drumming skill that could amp up my level of ability. And I've played with all kinds of different people and stuff, and I can go into the rudiment styles, but there are certain things I cannot play. Yeah. Toto's Rosanna kills me, man. It's the Purdy Shuffle. Come on. One of the most famous shuffles of all drumming time, Purdy Shuffle, it, it requires your, your skill level to be at a place with the use of your wrist, the handling of your stick, everything that goes into it. That's how you are able to lock down that groove and put in that beat for that, that particular song. And if you haven't practiced it, you don't, it doesn't matter how many years you play, you don't just sit down and play it the way he plays it. You don't do it. Why? You haven't invested like he has. And in the body of Christ, there are some people that seem like they're going further. They're, they're getting somewhere in the things of God. And, 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 and maybe you're not. And sometimes you're tempted. The enemy wants to come and tell you, well, you know, God's given them more favor than he's given to you. That's what that... No, it's not that at all. They set their mind on something. They set their mind on something. Now this works in the world too. Highly successful people are highly disciplined people. They're not flippant people. They're very calculated in the things that they do. They, they, they have good habits. Highly successful people have tremendous habits in certain areas of their life. Certain disciplines. Many of them have a workout regimen. Many of them have a mind development segment of time they give to them to every day. They read a lot. They do a lot of things. And, and so they're highly successful. And what we'd like to do in our day and time is anybody who's highly successful criticize them. And just accuse them of automatically thinking they're superior to everybody else. Instead of acknowledging the fact that they put in a little more effort to get where they are. And there's something admirable about that. It doesn't have to be criticized. There's something admirable to that. Now, if they do exhibit a haughty attitude, they need to be warned like James and Peter says in the Scripture, warn the rich. No one should think too highly of themselves. But that doesn't say that in order to combat thinking too highly of yourself, you ought to just go around being stupid. That's not what that means. Are you following me? Now, you know on my drumming limitations, it's Neil Peart's fault. 
Neil was so good at paradiddles that I figured I'd never reach his level, so I just gave up. My reason for not going further on the guitar is Tommy Emmanuel's fault. When I watch Tommy play, I'm like, I'll never get there, forget it. Now you guys know, and I know, I can't blame Neil or Tommy for my lack of practice. My inability and lack of benefit are my fault. I possess the knowledge needed. I keep the required groove. I have the basic skills and abilities, but if I wish to go further, I need to get serious and practice the fundamentals for paradiddles or chord structures or learning more scales. Are you hearing me? If my highest calling was to be the best drummer I could be, I should be more invested than I am. If that's my highest calling. Now in spiritual matters, we're called to the high calling we received in Christ. Every one of us have a high calling. Every one of us. We have a high calling. We received it in Christ. That high calling. We need to identify with the idea that we died and our new life is hidden with Christ in God. Why? Because when Jesus, who is our life, appears, we're going to appear with Him in glory. That's why. The hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. There's your motivation right there. Now this brings us to why we should do something intentional about it. So do you want to know what you should do to take this seriously? Are you sure? Only four or five of you want that, right? You really want to know what you should do if you're going to take this seriously. Because we're going to look straight into the Scripture to find out. We're going to let the one who knows best tell us. The Holy Spirit, right? So the same chapter in the Bible, Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 5 through 17. And then I'll wrap up with a brief statement on that and then we'll call it a day because it'll be enough right verse 5 says therefore now if you're going to take serious seeking things above setting your mind on things above therefore put to death your members which are on the earth members is talking about if you were talking about your body you're talking about your arms your legs things like that basically it's saying the things that affect the direction of your life Okay? So, we're going to put to death your members which are on the earth. What is it that we need to put to death? Well, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. See, that's as plain as the nose on your face, right? At least it should be. It's not right now. Believe it or not, the church throughout the world right now is so deceived that these very plain and evident things that should not be part of the believer's life is not so clear right now. 
It's just not. But now we go further, and he says, but now you yourselves, verse 8, are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds. Now, if you start doing this and you feel naked, where were you living? Look at verse 10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on love, the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus is really simple because you can't rob a bank in the name of the Lord Jesus. You can't run a prostitution ring in the name of the Lord Jesus. You can't be the neighborhood drug dealer in the name of the Lord Jesus. You can't go commit adultery in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you hearing me? You can't murder someone in the name of the Lord Jesus. When it says in the name of the Lord Jesus, it means that you're in step. You're, you're doing... You're doing this in sync. Your life is synchronized. Now we put to death the things we did before we came to Jesus. And, and, and the way Paul's saying is it kind of like a no-brainer. These things, you've already gotten rid of these. That's how he's saying it. When you came to Jesus, this went away. You died to this stuff. But now... There's some more things that you need to put away. That you need to consider dead. Let's look at the things that are no-brainer. For instance, he mentioned fornication. It's an uncommon word in our time. If you look at somebody, you don't say, well, you're fornicating. It involves any illicit sexual behavior. I want to be very clear about this because it's become unclear in our day and time. Sex without being married is fornication. Whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, it makes no difference. It's fornication. Homosexuality, fornication. Incest, fornication. Adultery fits into the category of fornication. Why? Because it's, it's sexual relations of any kind outside the parameters that God gave. 
anything to do with sexual interactions outside the parameters that God set forth as what is proper and right is fornication. The word encompasses all of it. These are behaviors common among unbelievers who reject God. We expect the world to be that way. We don't expect it in the church. Now some of us at one time walked in these behaviors, but then we find that there are other things beyond these behaviors that we're to put off. Because we're to put off the old man with all of his deeds, not just some of them. We're to put on the new man. And Paul describes spiritual growth and progress in these passages that we are reading based on putting off the things of the old man and putting on the new man. And when you put on the new man, his clothes look different. He looks different, saints. He's not going around trying to pick fights. By the way, if you're a person given to anger and outburst, and it makes other people uneasy around you to where they're walking on eggshells, you just created a situation where everybody wants to avoid you. God didn't do that. You did it. You did that. If every time you're with anybody, the whole thing has to be about you, right? What your needs are, what's going on in your life. Nobody else's stuff ever matters. It's just you, 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 you. And then nobody wants to go to lunch. They're busy when you give them a dinner invite. They've been busy the last 32 times you tried. Come on. It's not God's fault. It's not their fault. It's something to do with you. Are you hearing me? It's, if we don't pick up, I'm telling you, we've even lost the ability to pick up on nuance in these modern times. We think boundaries are our enemy. When you can't even respect another human being without boundary. If I am unwilling to know what your boundary is, and I'm always going over that boundary, I don't respect you. I'm not loving you like I'm called to love you. I'm acting like I'm so much all that, your boundary don't mean nothing. If I show up, your boundaries go away. I'm that special. You're not allowed to have your boundaries anymore. Because after all, it's me. Are you hearing me? So I can call you at one in the morning, and by golly, you better pick up, because I know you didn't turn your phone off at the side of your bed. Why didn't you pick it up? I mean, this is me calling. Where's the love in that? Where's the love? It took me 10 years to blow this relationship up. 10 years of doing the wrong thing over and over and over and over again until the other party got so sick of it they ain't dealing with it no more. Now we're in a tragic situation. Why aren't you answering your phone, Pastor, at 3 a.m. in the morning? I've got an emergency on my hands. It took you 10 years to build that emergency. I ain't going to fix it at 3 a.m. in the morning. If you love me, you'll respect my boundary for some sleep. 
And realize tomorrow's just as good a day as any to go there. Right? True, right? Now, I know I'm going from preaching to meddling because it's getting too quiet in me. But here's the thing, see. <laughs> We're not there yet, Dave. We're almost there. We're getting close. But <laughs> Here, here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm seeking the things that are above, if I'm setting my mind on things that are above, then all these other things start to kind of fall into place the way that they're meant to. My ability to be mindful of you, respectful of you, to honor you, it's not far from me now. It's not foreign to me now. I can actually go there with you. And so, it, 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 appreciating you, not a, not a hard thing to do. It's really easy to do. You see what I'm saying? You talk about the body being able to be the body. If you can get everybody seeking the things above, setting their mind on things above, going there, doing the instruction that we're finding right here in Colossians, just, just that alone. I'm telling you, it is so transformative. Amazingly transformative. Well, I know everybody wanted to have that special meeting at that time on that day, but that one doesn't work for me. Can't we change it? You're 1 in 30. You want... How about this one? I know it's supposed to be at this time. Why did you guys start? I wasn't here yet. You're 15 minutes late. I just attended a prison certification last week with a couple of guys here. We drove an hour to get there. We were, I didn't get home till 10 o'clock that night. I should have got home at 8.30. You know why I didn't? Because the instructor kept waiting because he knew more people were to come. One of them didn't show up until an hour later. So everybody else that had showed up on time was made to pay for the ones who didn't care enough to get there. This is why if you set a time to start something, Started. Out of respect for the ones who said, I'm on board with it. Amen. You started. And if you said an end time, end it. Out of respect for the ones who are just as glad that you started on on time, they'll be thankful you ended it on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we're practicing Colossians, what we're seeing here, this stuff takes care of itself. This stuff takes care of itself. Well, I got just one last one and I'm going to close. Because I was trying to say, I'm not going to do that. And the Holy Spirit said, yes, you are. How about this one? I have a habit, my uncle helped instill it into me, and so did some other brothers in the body of Christ, thankfully. But I'm careful about what I might borrow from somebody, because it's so ingrained in me that if that thing goes bad or breaks or something happens to it, 
and, and I'm, I'm the one using it. doesn't matter how old it was. doesn't matter whether it was about to do it anyway. I feel the need to replace it or fix it. And then if I borrowed it, it doesn't even matter if it was dirty when I got it. It's going to look almost new when I return it. Because I'm going to clean it up and I'm going to make sure that I demonstrate my gratitude for the use of it by treating, treating it with respect because it took that person time to work and invest and everything else to have that. It would be inappropriate. So anytime I've ever borrowed a car, I've washed it, I vacuum it out, and I make sure the tank is full when I return it. Why? Because I'm appreciative. I know the sacrifice that was. I'm not entitled. Because the Lord tells me I'm not entitled. And if I'm not entitled, then I have to demonstrate some measurable appreciation when somebody goes out of their way to benefit me. And whether simple or great or whatever, I, I want to I return to them something that lets them know that I don't have to worry if this guy gets a hold of something that's mine. Now, I can't tell you myself and... Butch knows this, and so do probably some of you guys who have lots of tools and things like that. How many times you've not received that from somebody? And if you loaned the tool out and it never came back, well, you're not going to loan it again. At least not to that person. Right? And then they're going to claim that you're not loving them and that you're just, you know, being mean to them. But what they fail to realize is, no, you, you never returned the last thing. And a couple of times, I, I had a lawnmower one time. We were just married. We were live. We had no money. I had gotten this very special to me aluminum hulled uh, snapper push mower. It was it was my pride and joy, man. I kept that thing in Mac. After every mow, I made sure it was clean and spotless. And a brother asked to borrow it, and I knew there was mud in his yard. And I said, I'm going to let you borrow the mower, but it's a vacuum hole mower. It this thing, trust me. It will pull all that mud up into that, into that base and it'll crack that base if you try to mow across the mud. Don't mow across the mud. He brought my mower back, caked so thick with mud you couldn't turn the motor over and the base of my mower, my pride and joy, was cracked because he ignored my request. So the next time he needed to mow his yard, he said, can I borrow your mower again? I said, absolutely not. He said, well, why not? We're brothers. I said, uh, why didn't you exercise that reality when I asked you to take care of my mower the last time you used it? Why not? He said, what are you talking about? You need to forgive, man. You can't hold on to it. I'm not holding on to anything. I'm just using some common sense. I don't want my mower destroyed. You will not take care of it. You've shown me that. You can't use my mower. You'll have to find some other sucker. When you love, when you do Colossians, it, ingrain, it instills in you the kind of sensitivities and cons considerations and things of that nature for others that you're supposed to have. So that they feel like they have value in your life. You know? You're not coming at people with entitlement. And brothers and sisters, let me just close by saying this is not religious bondage. It's practicing our freedom. 
We're free from selfish actions that take advantage of or mistreat others. We're free from that. And we're now empowered to love and forgive, speak wholesome words, be ruled by peace, bless each other with wisdom by letting Jesus dwell in us richly. So how about we, let's practice this. Right? Let's practice seeking those things which are above and setting our mind on those things that are above. Now, I concludes what I have to share with you. I have, and it will go out on the app, uh, the notes for the message and pages of supplementary notes and information along this topic line and in this subject. If you're interested in getting those, you can pull them from the app. It'll be there on a PDF for your taking. Free, no charge, right? It'll allow you in your own time to train this. Train this. This is the work. This, it's not a work of getting saved. You're already saved. You're saved freely, justified freely, all that good stuff. The Lord loves you. He's not going to love you less if you don't do this. His love won't change for you. But you know what? You will not prosper in your soul to the depth and the degree that you can if you don't do this. So let me encourage you to do that. Can we pray? Would you stand with me? There'd be a lot of struggles eliminated if we get this part down. Amen? So, Father, we just pray. And here before the throne of grace in this moment, we ask for the mercy that we need to help us. That, that gift of the Holy Spirit that gives us revelation and understanding about the things we look into from your word and concerning you and all that you desire. That's what we need. That's what we need. Father, I'm not looking to see anybody under condemnation about what I've shared here. I'm not trying to shame anybody. We're just trying to shine a light on what's real and what's true and what's healthy and what's wholesome. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, to govern that in every heart that's going to hear this message. I ask you to govern that. For you to cause what's been shared here to land on every heart in a fruitful way. I can't say it all the many different ways that would be necessary. I can only say it the way you've given it to me at this point in time. And even that is partial, Lord, I know. So I'm asking you to make up all the difference. Make up all the difference. And I'm asking you to put willingness in every heart by means of the Holy Spirit to seek that which is above and to set our mind on that which is above. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need your help. We need your help because we, we want to prosper in our souls while we're doing our journey with you here in this earth. We want to be at, at our peak as much as possible. And so we ask for your help in this matter. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you have a prayer need, if you need healing, if you need... Baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need to be saved. You've never given your heart to Christ Jesus and been made that new creation. You come, we'll pray, we'll minister to you. We'll be happy to do that. Uh, thank you for giving me your time and your attention. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon.